0: Father, may you disturb every fiber of our being and flesh with your word so that every fiber within us may rest in your peace. The world disturbs to destroy while you disturb to give life. Praise be to your glorious being, our God. Praise be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Snarky warrior, Lord, praise for a blessed and beautiful day. For all God's children. Silver chaos Lord. Praise for a friend. Johnny and Jennifer. As he is in his last days. Fighting against. Mesothelemia. He prays Lord for calmness. And guidance for Jennifer. And easing of pain for him. Also guidance when dealing with family members. Lord may you be with these requests. Today as only You can work in them for it's only your works that we seek our god and father in jesus name amen and speaking of prayer a dear sister in christ inbox me and asks in response to your prayer post on gab i don't want to ask this publicly and be taken the wrong way but i struggle with the purpose of prayer no, know we are instructed in the Bible to pray. My issue is if God knows his plans for us and our path is predestined, where is the power in my prayer? I hope this makes sense, and I hope you can shed some light on this for me. Well, first of all, my sister, you, you've hit a word, predestined. The Lord addresses this same omniscience concerning this predestination. In the fact that God knows all that's going to happen before it happens. But that doesn't mean that we don't do what we're supposed to do. It just means that God knows if we have done what we were supposed to do or not already. So why do we pray? Well, number one, Jesus prayed in John 17 as the Son of God to the Father. He leads by example. And by the way, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they've been talking to each other for beyond time. Number two, Jesus acknowledges omniscience as you have well noted. But then immediately after acknowledging this, he gives us the model prayer of our Father. And we read this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, Be not you therefore like unto them for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We read in First Timothy 4, 4-5 through that our food is sanctified through prayer. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. We read that prayer relieves anxiety, prevents us from, from anxiousness, in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We see prayer, we see confession in prayer and healing in prayer in James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We see that we have an evidence of true faith as the Spirit of God prompts us to pray continually. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we see that we're commanded to pray without ceasing. And most of all, prayer is our communication with God, that we may have a relationship with Him. Listen. I know many things about my wife, but she continues to express these desires and these wants regularly because we have a loving relationship. Yes, God knows our desires. He knows our hearts. He knows our wants, but he wants a relationship with us. He wants to walk with us and to talk with us, and therefore We come humbly before His throne in prayer to worship Him and to praise Him. So that is the purpose of prayer, that God would be ultimately glorified and that He would have a relationship with us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Word, and then we speak back. Maybe we have a question. Lord, I don't understand this. Would you lead me and guide me and give me understanding if it is your will at this time? And so here we could see that this conversation is ongoing throughout our life. And this is why I say that prayer is the breath of the soul. Just as the body breathes physically, the spirit breathes spiritually if you are born again. Now, there's much more that probably could be said on this topic of prayer, but I I hope, my dear sister in Christ, that this would, will comfort you, these words uh, from the Word of God, and these thoughts will give you a little bit more to chew on. But from others, instead of a positive response in the, concerning the answer that I just gave concerning prayer... I get this from Builder777 on Gab. Sounds like a split personality in those religions with three gods. And this person is referencing the fact that I just said that the Father and Son and Holy Spirit have been talking to each other for beyond time. Well, my response to this person is much simpler than the response that I gave to the dear sister in Christ who asked about prayer because this response is one word. Blasphemy! Builder 777 replies and says, Three people that are one talking to each other doesn't sound like split personality. How so? Listen, one being, three holy persons, the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit. Yet you attempt to reduce God to a mere man. His creation of one being and one person. And then blasphemously imply that he is possessed with a multiple personality disorder. As if he was a demon or something. Only the Son of God became man. Only God can reveal this truth to you. You can mock it if you want. But it's blasphemy. Moving on. Then Bible Bigot leads us right into our scheduled reading today. Sick and all as he has been this past week. And we continue to pray for his well-being. But it just goes to show that the Christ first train moves on. Even if those will try to put a stumbling block of blasphemy before you. Well, he asks a question. He says, is there any significance to while Esau was delivered from Rebekah's womb? Uh, Jacob grabbed hold of Esau's heel to, to be delivered himself. Is this confirmation of the internal struggle with the twins while in Rebekah, as God stated, as well as an indication to a future struggle between the two nations? Wow. Wow. Could it be yet another confirmation that Esau firstborn was to serve Jacob's secondborn as God stated? The firstborn of twins has a harder time clearing pathway, a pathway, allowing for an easier birthing of the secondborn. Well, Bible Bicket, uh, the short answer, which leads into much of our other reading today, is that Esau and Jacob are a type and anti-type. Like Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, all which are shadows of Antichrist Israel and the Israel of God. Yet at the same time, we must coexist in this world, and sometimes we even have to work together. For example, most jobs on this planet. I don't think there's too many jobs where you're gonna that you're gonna find that are, that consist of all born again believers. It just doesn't work like that in this world. So hence we see this heel assist from Esau concerning Jacob during this, this birth. ARP Christian had replied to this and said, Wouldn't Abel, Jacob, and Isaac be the types who, whose anti-type is God's Israel? Or have I misunderstood typology? Well, I had wrote my response prior to going to bed last night, so forgive the jubbleness of the reply. So yes, to answer the first part of your question, yes, yes, I just put Esau and Jacob backwards, but you get the point. Now, as for the anti-type of God's Israel, that is Antichrist Israel, the physical Israel that has rejected God then and that rejects God today. Now, we're going to speak on this some more here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about a post from Andrew Torba, the CEO of Gab, because he posted yesterday, and I feel this is a good post uh, to cover, because in order to understand what I am going to elaborate more on concerning, which has already been spoken today you are going to have to understand my response to brother Torba. Torba had posted that he is glad that Gab is being is sponsoring AF Pack 3. He continues, everyone will be going is a member of this website promotes Christian values openly proclaims the name of Jesus Christ and promotes America first political objectives candidates and members of Congress. I want unity on the right, not in fighting and division. I want to support the Christian men and women who will, while imperfect, are making all of the right people very mad just like Gab is. CPAC is sponsored by Facebook and Google, among other billionaires. TP-USA is sponsored by atheist libertarian billionaires. AFPAC is sponsored by Gab. Uh, This is going to make the mainstream media and our enemies in the establishment very angry, which makes me very happy. AFPAC is a group of grassroots young Christian thinkers who, like it or not, are the future of right-wing politics in this country. Now, uh, minus Torba, uh, because otherwise I would not be on Gab. All I have seen from the America First platform is grifters first who hijack the name of Christ and blaspheme him while supporting Antichrist measures under the power of their master Zionist Antichrist Israel. And as for young man Fuentes, he is yet to become a born-again Christian, and by no means is he leading anything for Christ. Therefore, I personally will remain spiritually, physically, and politically Christ first. End of story. And I'll quote Jesus, which is the title for today's episode. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. God's resistance on Gab replies, I've witnessed the same thing, brother. Christ's name is used by political pretenders to win over the gullible voters. I'm glad for good conservative politicians that are that are principled but that only buys us more time at best the real fix for the problems of america is salvation from sin and obedience to christ amen my brother you get it you understand and if if you have this understanding then you can understand the two nations from the same womb that we read about today The Israel of God and Antichrist Israel cannot get any clearer than this. One would remain just a physical seed of Abraham, while the other went on to become the faith seed of Abraham. And here is where we find the strength that God's resistance even recognizes. The strength is found in the faith seed. Not in the counterfeit, but the faith seed. Not the twin, but the faith seed. Notice, they were twins. And this is why Zionists lump Israel all into the same person. They do not see the Antichrist twin. And this is why they bow before political parties that hijack the name of Christ and then worship them. Genesis 25, 23-24, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the other shall serve the younger and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled behold, there were twins in her womb. So notice how the birthright which was shrouded by faith was nothing more than a business transaction to Esau. We read, In verse 31 through 32, as he himself uses the term prophet, and that's P-R-O-F-I-T, not as in the the foreteller or the preacher of the word. Therefore, Jacob tempted him with this to his advantage, obviously thinking that Esau was not worthy of the sacred right if it was just a, a business transaction. And faith today is still a business transaction to Antichrist Israel that despises the church. And from there, commercial Christianity was born. which, Which believes, if not in word, in deed, that Christianity is nothing but a business transaction. Every person that sits in their pews is a business transaction. Verse 31 through 32, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? WBMC Infidel on Gap says, I've never heard it out that way. It is bouncing around my head for 10 minutes now. Wow, that, that is an insightful as it is powerful. Thank you, brother. Well, praise the Lord. And I mean that with all my being and heart. Praise the Lord, because it's him who has opened my eyes to this truth. I haven't read the Bible the same since. And then ironically not, we read about the 10 virgins in Matthew 25. Verse 1 and 2, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Here again, we see the twins represented by these virgins. One group had oil on their lamps. The others did not. The others were counterfeits. Angry Publius replies and says, Yet another example of Jesus preaching how important works are in our walk towards entering the narrow gate. And I agree. Works are a manifestation of, of a genuine born again faith from God, along with belief and repentance. It's oil that cannot be bought. Then I get a reply from Black Wolf Patriot, and says he says good works have zero to do with salvation. One is saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts sixteen thirty through thirty one. Without works, Ephesians two eight nine. After salvation, a person should. Do good works, Ephesians two ten, but they may not. The good works a person does after salvation will earn them rewards in heaven when they die, but even if they have no good works, they they will still be saved, yet so as by fire. First Corinthians 15, Any claims that works play a part in a person's salvation is a false gospel. Anyone who believes works plays a part in salvation is not saved. Whoa, those are some strong words. Well let's let's start with after salvation a person should do good works but they may not. You know I read statements like this and all I could say is god help us because even the thief on the cross showed forth a good work from his faith when he rebuked the other thief on the cross. This person has obviously not read any of the things that we're discussing in today's episode, and that I had posted on my wall this morning, including the great commandment, the talents, nor the 10 virgins. Now let's look at this next statement. Works have zero to do with salvation. My friend, are you serious? Are you serious? James 2.20 says, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? But instead of doing good works when we see the word works, people go nuts and condemn works. Again, God help us. Listen, my friend. If your faith does not work, you do not have the gift from God called faith because His faith works, period. Notice that I said his faith. God's gift of faith does not consist of your works. It consists of his works in Christ that are wrought in you. Moving on. So today we also read in the second chapter of the book of Esther, and we're going to continue to see this type and anti-type concerning the Israel of God and anti Christ Israel, and Mordecai in Haman. And we'll talk more about those in future, these two men in future episodes. But in Esther 2.5, now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. And so we're going to see this struggle between the faith seed versus the Antichrist seed, uh, throughout scripture now we read today also in matthew 25 verses 26 to 27 his lord answered and said unto him thou wicked and slothful servant thou knewest that i reap where i sow not and gathered where i have not strawed thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming i should have received my own with usury Now, as I read this, considering what the word of God states about usury, especially between individual believers, I do not believe that the Lord is condoning usury at all. I believe he is saying that the actions of the unfaithful steward were equal to the evils of usury. Tomcat 72 responds and says, I don't see a commentary on usury in this verse at all. The talents are the talents we are born with. Some have more than others. God has an investment in us and there's an expectation on his part that we use those talents to his purpose, which is the only true profit to be made on this earth. Also, it ties in my mind to Matthew thirteen eleven. Where he replied, the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whosoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And I agree, Tom. I, I do believe this is good exegesis. And then he finishes and says, it's a harsh reality, but the good news is that even a little talent can go a long way unless you're afraid to use it. And then we read in Matthew 25, 29-30, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast you the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I will tell you this, my Christ friends, this separation will not occur at any secret rapture. There is no secret rapture. Verse 31 through 32, when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And as for the righteous, we read in verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I read this and it gives me goosebumps. Notice. As we continue to read that we are judged by the great commandment, which includes loving God and others. Those who love themselves instead are cast into everlasting punishment, 35 through 46. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, In so much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord. When saw we thee in hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, or did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them saying verily I say unto you Inasmuch as much as you did it not to one of the least of these you did it not to me. And these shall go away away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. But what does the world say? The world says I got to hurry and scroll past this Christ first stuff so I can get me some America first stuff. WBMC infidel Seems to get it. A brother in Christ. And he rightfully quotes. John 17. 16 through 18. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world. Even so have I also sent them into the world. So here we see that the preaching of the word of God. Challenges every fiber of being and flesh. This is why. This preaching is left in the shadows by this world. This is why this world scrolls on. Only preaching that caters to the flesh and shines a good light on Antichrist Israel is elevated to the spotlight of this world. So if these fibers are dead with no possibility of life, as the Lord has stated, follow him and let the dead bury the dead. Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been of ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. They hate me with, with cruel hatred. O keep my soul, and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel oh God, out of all his troubles. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.